ambulance dodging this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Beginning of our recording delayed by about two minutes because we were waiting for an ambulance outside to uh, not be outside anymore. So apologies if you do hear any ambulances later on in the show, uh, listeners. We are back for episode 197 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. Slightly congested this week. I caught a cold from somewhere or other, or developed a cold, um, almost as soon as Andres left last week's recording, which is a bit annoying, so I've had it for almost exactly a week now. It's getting better, but uh, I do still sound a bit stuffed up. Um, and I'm joined again for the second week running by Andres. Hello. Welcome uh, back. Thank you. Well, if there weren't any ambulances, uh, you couldn't say this in Buenos Aires, because it's fully loaded of ambulances. Yes, exactly. Particularly Parque Centenario. Um, we are sponsored, obviously, as um, as ever, by the Argentina Independent, who provide our alcohol, which only Andres is drinking this week, um, because I'm unwell. Um, but they are a fine source of English language news, current affairs, photo essays, historical bits and pieces, and lots of other things um, from Argentina and across Latin America. You should read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com and follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indie. We thank them heartily for their support. And we shall get on, first of all, on that uh, after that sponsor's note, um, by going through, as we normally do at this point, the results from last weekend in the Primera División. They were as follows. Argentinos Juniors beat Crucero del Norte 4-0 on Friday night. Yes, you heard that correctly. Argentinos Juniors scored four goals. Uh, Quilmes, nil. Tempele, nil. Aldo Civi de Mar del Plata, two. San Martín de San Juan, nil. Gimnasia La Plata 1, Boca Juniors 2, Vélez Sarsfield 2, Defensa Justicia 1. The two home sides I've just mentioned there have just met, by the way, just before we recorded uh, this evening in the Copa Argentina. Gimnasia against Vélez and Vélez 1, uh, 1-0 with what I'm told, well, what I read in Olé at least, it was a slightly dodgy penalty. I didn't see it myself because I went out at half-time and it came in the second half. Um, also back to the weekend, then Neil's Old Boys 0, Colón de Santa Fe 1, Arsenal de Sarandí 2, Tigre 0, Godoy Cruz versus Racing we will come to in a few minutes, but it got called off 25 minutes in with Racing leading 1-0. Um, San Lorenzo 0, Banfield 0, Sarmiento de Junín 0, Atlético de Rafaela 1, River Plate 1, Huracán 1, Unión de Santa Fe 0, Rosario Central 1, Independiente 1, Estudiantes 1, Belgrano de Córdoba 0, Olimpo 0, and Lanús 1, Nueva Chicago 0. I did say we'd come to it straight away, so we may as well begin with Godoy Cruz against Racing. Um, before the match, the Racing team coach was stoned as it entered the stadium. Um, and then about 25 minutes in, Godoy Cruz were um, attacking, trying to get an equaliser because Diego Milito scored a penalty for Racing about two minutes in. Um, and at this corner, a bunch of uh, 
rocks and stones and things thrown from the stand started raining down on the God Eye Cruise penalty area, so stoning um, appears to have become a pretty in vogue thing for the Barabarabas of Mendoza to do. After about uh, 15 minutes or so, it became apparent that the match couldn't carry on, so it was called off and it'll be continued, presumably, um, behind closed doors, presumably, at a future date which has not yet been set. Um, any comments, Andres? Well, the, the, the first photograph I, I have seen about this episode was uh, racing players trying to avoid the, 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 those stones. So we can't say it's serious because uh, they could have been, of course, injured, uh, seriously injured. And as, as it has been happening a lot of times since, of course, you record this, this podcast because uh, it's uh, like uh, something we are sadly used to and uh, well and, and what is sad even sad uh, sadder than than, than the, the, the ep- this episode itself is that it uh, it was uh, they were there were signals that this could have been happened that this could happen because uh, Godel Cruz supporters or Barra Bravas or whatever because as I said last episode they are all mixed up uh, Protested, they, they they have been protesting uh, uh, because they wanted Heinze out of the of the club. They his is that really uh, why that I don't know. I know if that is Heinze is involved. Y- yes, but I don't know if that has saying it's one thing and it seems to be actually another, doesn't it? No, but the, the supporters or or Barabas were like uh, like somehow uh, saying, "Well, look, uh, we will do something about this." Uh, of course, has nothing to do with Heinze himself, but uh, the pre- previous week when Guadalcruz uh, was away from Boca de Bombonera, his assistant was sent off and the bench was empty because he he's, has no not no title that uh, yeah, he permits. He doesn't have his papers yet yes, to, to uh, sit on the bench. And all this, I don't know, I, I it has not straight a relationship between the uh, Heinz situation and the the way the, the supporters uh, throw through stones and and, and and rocks to the to the to the pitch uh, it provides them with the excuse because the yes. version of events that the Barra seem to try to divulge and which nobody actually believes is that uh, they're protesting about the fact that um, uh, having a manager in the form of Gabriel Heinze, who doesn't have the papers and who can't sit on the bench, and uh, this takes away from the dignity of Godoy Cruz as a football club. Um, whereas, obviously, you know, throwing stones to, to get a match called off is the most dignified response possible to that. Um, whereas the truth is, or, or it seems to be at least, that there was a meeting, um, or a refusal of a meeting, at some point since Gabriel Heinze has become manager of Godoy Cruz, uh, between Heinze and the Barra, in which Heinze made it quite clear that he wasn't going to give any money to the Barra Brava, um, that he wasn't going to have anything to do with them. And that seems to be what's pissed them off. Yes. Rather than the public excuse of, oh, we're doing this to protect the dignity of the club, it's disgraceful that the directors have, have appointed a manager who's not qualified. Yes. The real reason seems to be that this manager in question um, doesn't want anything to do with the Barra Brava, and as a result, they're yes. taking and on everybody. In, in, in the other, on the other hand, uh, uh, Racing, uh, the, 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 the rules allow Racing to ask for the points 
of that match uh, and for in for in one hand uh, Victor Blanco Racing president said they will ask for the points and in the other hand the players like Francisco Sarro and Sebastián Saja as far as I am concerned they are they don't agree with this they want to play the match and to win that match in the pitch uh, players always say this that no the matches we have to win the, the matches uh, not in the desk but in the in the in the, in the pitch mm. uh, but well uh, uh, th there is something big that happened there which is as we are mentioning uh, God Cruz supporters throwing stones it's not uh, something uh, light it is heavy it is hard uh, and uh, we can compare this to the for example the attitude that uh, Orion and, 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 and the most important Boca players did the attitude they had when Boca when real players were uh, damaged or were injured when they were vis visiting Boca for the Copa Libertadores and, and they gave like uh, said goodbye to the to the Barra Brava and as, as a sign of respect to the Barra Brava and then there, the, there, the, a video was shown with them having a meeting with the Barra Brava so this is uh, what you told is key what you have mentioned is key because if they are refused to give money to the Barra Brava, then things like this happen. And if they agree and they give the, that money, well, there is no problem and they uh, uh, can uh, play and they can train and there were no, no, no matter. The problem is that the Barra Bravas know where their families are, where they live, and, and, and well, uh, it's simple. If they don't give that money, uh, uh, things like this uh, happen. Mm. Indeed. Um, so we'll see what happens. Watch this space. But I suspect Gabriel Hainsa is um, going to remain, for the moment at least, in charge of Godoy Cruz, in spite of results continuing to go against him. Uh, there's also been a kind of side um, uh, side conversation about it, with all this, with Godoy Cruz's directors and, and president arguing with the uh, national um, coaches. Academy registration uh, people or whatever, um, basically saying that you know Hainsey is, is doing the course and they could make an exception to let him sit on the bench, but they won't. Or and they made an exception for Maradona apparently, um, but blah blah blah. And this one bloke saying that uh, one of the guys from from the academy saying that uh, that Hainsey still got loads and loads to do. And then Godoy Cruz president coming back and saying, well, they asked us for a bribe in order to let Hainsey sit on the bench. Well, then. Uh, this is this, of course, as, as I said, has nothing to do with throwing stones to the pitch and 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 and, and Heinze refusing to give money to the Barra Brava. But what I don't know this apart from that is why Heinze doesn't ex wait for the papers to be ready, of course, to finish the course, to to be able to 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 the, be the manager. If you uh, have an offer of a, of a premier a club from first division to to be the coach of that team and you you can say well wait for me until I have my papers and, and I can and I will not this no not this way because if, if not if otherwise uh, things like uh, the Bombonera uh, uh, happen that uh, Heinz is not in the bench because he's not uh, uh, allowed and, and his assistant is is sent off and, and the bench is empty. Yeah. 
Um, indeed. As we say, watch this space. Um, we move on to another side who are currently at war, and there's lots of off-pitch stuff to talk about this week. Um, as we mentioned, normally we would go through the Big Five first, but we want to mention Crucero del Norte, because generally speaking, on Handapod, when we mention Crucero del Norte, it's to point out that they're just not very good at football, um, and we've mentioned it a few times this, this, uh, um, this year. Uh, we have been criticised for being unfair on them, although I did receive a tweet from Sasha um, on Saturday morning, who said that uh, they really must be bad after all if they're going down 4-0 to Argentinos Juniors. I had predicted, Mystic Sam had predicted uh, that Crucero del Norte would pick up their first away point of the year in that match and will not be doing so again because what Mystic Sam did not know when he predicted that but does know now um, is the conditions that Crucero del Norte are expected to play their away games in or rather not to play their away games but to travel to their away games. Now, particularly for listeners in Europe... Um, who are probably used to at least domestic league away matches being sensible um, length journeys, we should first of all start out by mentioning that Argentina is a bloody big country. It's the eighth or ninth largest in the world by land area, in spite of the fact that there aren't that many people in it. Um, And what that means is that for a lot of the clubs outside the greater Buenos Aires and La Plata region, there are some very, very lengthy away journeys involved on a very regular basis. And Crucero del Norte are up in Misiones province in the northeast of the country. And have, I think their, their shortest away trip is going to be to Atletico de Rafaela, isn't it? Which, if they even played Atletico de Rafaela away this year, I can't remember what they do. Let's have a very quick look. Um, they play... Uh, Let's go to Rafaela. They played them at home. So the shortest away trip is going to be to one of the Rosario clubs. They played Newell's Old Boys away in the fourth round. Um, and that's a considerable distance. I don't know exactly how far from Garropa to Rosario. But there might be, be near 1,000 kilometers because uh, from Rosario to Buenos Aires is only 200 kilometers. It's not a big distance. Oh, you're right, yeah. Uh, so, so would Santa Fe be closer? Santa Fe to Misiones, yes, I think the Santa Fe capital could be... Right, let's just very quickly go Garoppa to Santa Fe. See what the distance comes up. <laughs> Avellaneda. No, okay. Bear with us a second. We should have thought to do this before, really. But uh, where is Avellaneda in Santa Fe? Do you know? Yeah. Anywhere near? Ah, here we are. Let's, uh, we have a what looks like a German website here, which is going to tell us. Nope, that's in Spanish. Good, I understand that. It's up there. Yes, we knew that. Distance to... Uh, where's Santa Fe on this? Right, well, to Rosario is 700 kilometres. So Santa Fe is going to be a similar, similar distance. Um... <coughs> So they've, they've got some very, very, very long away trips when you consider that's the shortest away journey they have to make. When they play a Buenos Aires club, they have to, to travel just over 800 kilometres. And what came out um, shortly after or shortly, very shortly before the match against Argentinos is that several of their players are complaining about the club president forcing them to play away match, to, to travel to away matches on coaches without reclining seats, um, with only packaged cold sandwiches to eat, they very frequently arrive on the morning of the game in the city they're playing in and leave to, to return to Garupa immediately after the match 
Uh, that is ten, ten hours trip. It's like you and you or, or myself going to to Warapa, for example, uh, not a professional player. Yes, precisely. Yeah, and and also if you or I did that, we'd go on a, a coach with reclining seats because. I mean, all of the coaches in Argent- all of the long-distance coaches in Argentina have at least seats that, that go back a little bit. Um, so these are uh, seriously um, strange um, conditions to be for any away team to be travelling in. Particularly bearing in mind, you know, let's not forget that Crucero del Norte are a team who are owned by a long-distance bus company. <laughs> so it's not like they haven't got the facilities to uh, to put it on well, at no actual expense uh, to them. Crucero Norte president uh, has already been saying things that could uh, in, uh, annoy any any player that plays it at Crucero Norte. He's already resigned to play next season in the B anyway. Yes, and and, and well, uh, he announced uh, that they will be, will be playing against Independiente and River in Resistencia Chaco, not in Guarupa. Yeah. Uh, this this before they have already played in Primera Div- in First Division. And now players, of course, complained about these conditions, these bad conditions, traveling conditions. And he said, well, we, will, we, will, we have been traveling this way when we were at the Torneo Argentino A and we won't change only because uh, now we are in first division. Well, yes, you should. You are in first division and you are in a better category. You should have more... At least I know I I don't say air conditioning and movies only comfortable seat, uh, seats for the players. Anybody who's travelled on long distance coaches in Argentina will know that the air conditioning is generally set far too bloody cold anyway, and and uh, people end up like I am at the moment from travelling on them. But I agree. I mean, people should have at least that you'd think that they could uh, lay on slightly better service. They've also started letting players go in order to to cut down on costs. <laughs> to prepare for the relegation that they're going to have. Juan Cabrera has gone. Uh, Fabian Montserrat has gone. Um, we know this already, and there are going to be others in, in, in the not-too-distant future. And all of this, I mean, when you have a team who already are not very good at football, that, that's uh, for Primera standards at least, that's obviously a problem. But none of this helps. And I, I think that that's, this is, now that we know this, it suddenly, Crucero del Norte's away record begins to look a hell of a lot more. Um, it, it begins to make a lot more sense. Because to have played 11 away games and lost all 11, even for a pretty useless side, when you go down, as, as Sasha puts it the other day, when you go down 4 0 away to Argentinos, you know, d- discovering uh, what we've discovered in, in the last few days about how they're expected to um, to prepare for away matches, I they don't prepare for them at all. <laughs> they don't even spend the night in a hotel in Buenos Wait. Aires before playing in Buenos Aires. What? It makes a lot more sense. Which English club would you compare in terms of the infra in the, the structure of the club or to uh, to Cruzeiro Norte for uh, the first division the most the poorest or the smallest club actually in English Premier League? Well, in the Premier League at the moment, I suppose you'd have to the the, the obvious comparison would be Bournemouth, who've just come up, who um, uh, I don't believe have played in the top flight in England before. They certainly haven't in the Premier League era. Uh, forgive me if there are any Bournemouth fans and you have played in it before, but I, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first season that they've had in the top flight. I'm going to Google that now, just in case I've not, so that I can retract it if I'm wrong. Um, but even then... I mean, the distances in England are obviously nowhere near. Bournemouth, in some ways, are similar there as well because they're right down in the southwest. They're they're quite isolated, as isolated as a as a top flight side can well, get in England. Bournemouth, which is the as you uh, say, they are, are saying right now, uh, 
the smallest club in the first in the English Premier League. They have signed on loan a, a, a player from River Plate, 19 year old, I think. Uh, I don't remember the, the the surname. You you could search okay. it on the website of Bournemouth. Yeah, uh, it it was known uh, this week, and so they, they even being the a, a, a small club, they are of course better condition than uh, the uh, and that the, a, a club with a similar structure here in Argentina they are more have more of course power and money than any club here in Argentina I I, I believe and and they I don't fancy Bournemouth players traveling on on a bus uh, to cover eight eight hundred kilometers distance to play a match no indeed and I am on the verge of Yes, I can confirm, according to Wikipedia at least, that this is indeed Bournemouth's first ever season in the English top flight, regardless of what the English top flight was called at the time. Um, I cannot find the name of this person they've apparently signed on loan from River. So let me Google it properly. That's not how you spell Bournemouth. But yeah, to, to get it back to Crucero del Norte for a second, essentially, they're in the shitter and their own board are not really helping them at all. Um, which is remarkable. Why would you not want to try and, and stay? And why would you? Tomas Andrade, apparently, is yes. the. Uh, yes, that player. is. Oh, I recognise that name. I don't think I've seen him play. No, no. I think he hasn't even played a single minute in first division. But what? Well, uh, uh, they can afford to, to, to sign even on loan and even a player that hasn't already... Uh, oh, he's the one who was linked with Everton a, yes. a week or two ago. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. Made his debut to, to sign a player from Argentina, for example. Uh, and here we have a, a club which whose players are obliged to, to travel in these conditions, this... Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else off-pitch, club-specific, that we need to cover? I don't think there is, is there? In which case, we will go through now our Big Five roundup. We've already covered Racing. They're 1-0 up after 25 minutes and may or may not end up playing the rest of that match away to Godoy Cruz. Um, we may as well next do Independiente, uh, who drew 1-1 at home to Estudiantes. A pretty decent match. The first half, it, it was a match of... Uh, two contrasting halves in that the first half the players on both sides seem more concerned with kicking each other than the ball and in the second half it livened up a little bit uh, Diego Vera opened the scoring for Independiente early in the second half and um, Gaston Fernandez got his I believe first goal yeah it was his first goal wasn't it back um, on his return to his former club from the penalty spot 64 minutes in a 1-1 draw which I thought was more or less um, the the right result for that match. I don't think you didn't catch no, no, many of these matches, did you, Andres? Uh, so this is going to be largely me talking to myself to summarise these. Um, but that means that both sides continue their decent unbeaten runs. I think it's now eleven unbeaten for Estudiantes. Oh no, sorry, it's, it's one defeat in the last thirteen for Estudiantes, and something like seven unbeaten for Independiente. I'm just checking up very quickly. One, two, three, four. Uh, uh, hang on, that's yes, four, four victories and three draws, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, well, they they won five in a row, 
three draws and then there was another win as well before uh, one of those draws so it's nine in total and Estudiantes as I say one defeat in 13 matches I think it is um, so both of them continue to do well um, River Plate were held 1-1 by Huracan Gonzalo Martinez opened the scoring with a contentious um, goal Carlos Sanchez was offside when Martinez lobbed it over and Sanchez ended up um, I don't know whether it was deliberate but he ended up impeding the defender who might have headed it off the line um, it, it was a very tight call so it was understandable why the linesman missed it but it, it probably shouldn't have stood uh, before Daniel Montenegro against one of his old clubs got the equaliser for Huracan that was another match really that River should have won on the balance of play um, and again they didn't look particularly at the races they look like they're struggling to pick themselves up a bit Yes, uh, Gabriel Mercado admitted uh, that the team has lost some of that uh, intensity they ha they used to have and this is clearly the relaxed I think well not lack of motivation as, as, as Marcelo Gallardo uh, <coughs> said uh, during the press conference after the match but uh, yes they, they can be suffering from some relax after winning the, the Copa Libertadores, the travel, and, and as we have already said, and well, River is suffering from the same issues than San Lorenzo last year. Exactly the same situation uh, from Copa Libertadores, having suffering a lot to, to advance to the round of 16 with same results, and now after winning it, winning it, uh, uh, having some relax and some difficulties to 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 win again to get the winning straight in the, in the local stage uh, um, and it is historical because after winning the other Copa, Copas Libertadores in the, uh, oh, yeah. in the 86 and 96 also have uh, the last Copa Libertadores that River had won uh, with Ramon Diaz 96 uh, he had six matches after winning it uh, of course not uh, with, with uh, difficulties to win Another match. Yeah, they've they've never won the Copa and then won one of their next three matches yes. in the league after winning the Copa. Um, so I suppose in some way maybe it, it's it's not so worrying after all. And in another, it's see I I, I put this on Twitter um, after the the Chicago match from a European point of view. I, I suppose maybe and and also maybe I've just played too much football manager and want to constantly go on winning things. Um, I don't quite get why the players would, would drop the intensity off so much when there was very much a title to be won. In San Lorenzo's case last year, you could almost understand it because it was inevitable some of the come down, and also because there was a new title, uh, there was a new title race about to unfold, which you already knew they were going to be slightly distracted by the Club World Cup towards the end of it. Whereas this one, River already uh, at the time they won the Copa Libertadores, they were effectively joint top because they had a game in hand and were three points behind. So you assume if you win the game in hand, that puts you level with the top two, San Lorenzo and Boca. So you're very much in, in, in the title race. And now they're nowhere near the title race. They've picked up one point from the last nine available. Um, and, uh, and I ended up having a, a discussion with a couple of, of River fans who were saying, oh, you know, the, the Libertadores is, is what matters. So the fans themselves don't seem to be overly bothered. But as a player, I'd find it quite frustrating, I think, yes. because you want to win as much as you can, surely. And OK, they're going to concentrate on the Sudamericana, and they're going to have a uh, chance at the club. As time goes by, uh, the, 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 the international tournament uh, starts to, to getting... To, you, you, you must leave it behind because uh, uh, time goes by and goes by and goes by, and, and matches 
all all uh, matches two are are one after one each other one after the other one and 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 you don't get any uh, again that the sensation you had before mm. uh, and and yes for the players must be uh, well bothering and and uh, uh, and I I think it's in some point I understand it not because not in the point of view of of the supporter but in the point of view of the uh, the I have to give an analysis and to to try to understand why. And uh, before, when River Hadden win won the Copa Libertadores this year, uh, after the Tigres uh, first and second leg, uh, Gallardo was so demanding, and the players got that idea because they wanted also to win the cup, and they were, of course, and they are still uh, get the idea of that. He, he wants to for the team, but now they have not the same strength. Strength, I yeah. think, uh, it's natural. It's not that they don't want or they don't. Uh, they are they are bad players, and before they were good. It's that is uh, they are tired, and this is uh, completely understanding. Uh, and it's another, I, I guess, the reason why the let's say the European way of doing it having the, the uh, continental finals at the very end of, uh, of the season and then there being a break and obviously you know, with, with South American leagues putting their uh, programs around all over the place um, and also with the influence of the Copa America had this year causing the final to be played later than it normally would be and indeed the World Cup last year that exacerbates it somewhat but um, it's one that I, I'm not going to say it's better but I suppose maybe it, it favours that more because a side have just won the European Champions League then go on holiday or go off to an international tournament or whatever um, for, for a month or two and then they get back and it's much easier then to, to get the focus and to say right a new season we have new challenges now when you win the Copa Libertadores and the following week you're playing back at home against uh, San Martín de San Juan and it's like right there's not been a break it's very difficult to get back into that same mindset when you're still so quickly after and, and so it's not like I said, I, I, I'm wary of saying it's, it's better or worse to do it the European way, just because that's the European way. But um, it, uh, it it probably favours uh, continued focus, the European way of, of, of so those same players, players or, or even less players to to to, to get uh, have the, the, the to to be in the starting lineup, and uh, I, I think that in some some point. Apart from the frustration of not winning for for players, they must be thinking. Uh, I imagine this is not real. Mm. Uh, that they must be thinking the the opposite way. They all they always do. That they want to play every time and every match, and they we they must uh, uh, want to to play uh, every single match. And in this case, I think after that uh, long distance travel uh, to Japan and. And, and, and Libertadores Cup uh, matches with rain, with heavy pitches, and that. Well, let me let me give me a break. Yeah. Give me a, a rest because I can't afford the my energy to uh, play every match here and there and, and, and international duties, which are, of course, in terms of in terms of, of health, uh, it it's uh, more than 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 the local tournaments and they are already thinking on, on Barcelona which is oh, I think well you can avoid that but uh, 
for a club from South America or Argentina to play against Messi and that fantasy is is heavy. While in Barcelona they are thinking in Champions League and and and, and the Liga and of course it's not River. Well, we will think the 20th of December if we have to play against them, mm. not now. And River is already thinking on them, and that gives you uh, energy, uh, uh, quits energy for the. the the, the ground they are playing yeah, right now. Absolutely. Um, so that's our entirely non-professional uh, attempt at having a, a psychological guess at why River have struggled a bit in the last three games. But um, we move on. We should say that River, this time next week, are going to very much have something to focus on properly. They played Nueva Chicago this week away, and then the following weekend, they're at home to Boca Juniors in the Super Clásico. Um, in of course a round of Clásicos um, which which we will be previewing all in one go next week and uh, probably have a bit of a complaint about as well for reasons that long term listeners will, will be familiar with, I've mentioned why I think it distorts the league um, somewhat several times this year but one Clásico that's going to be played this coming weekend and which is going to have a huge effect on uh, the where the league title goes is the Clásico between the league leaders and the current second place team because they are no longer joint leaders after what happened at the weekend. On Saturday, Boca Juniors got a 2-1 win away to Gimnasia La Plata. Um, it was a deserved win. In fact, I think it could have been much more comfortable than 2-1 for Boca. Um, they completely outplayed Gimnasia for most of the match, um, even though the, the winner came, came quite late on through Andres Chavez. Uh, they're going to be without four internationals um, this weekend. Again, we'll probably get on to why. I imagine we've had at least one listener's question about that. But the um, the match itself was a very comfortable win against a gymnasia side who were in very good form, uh, or were in very good form a few weeks ago and have not been quite so much recently, if I remember rightly. I think the gymnasia have now yeah, lost three of their last four matches, um, which, considering they were previously on like an 11-match unbeaten run, is quite a remarkable turnaround in a short space of time. And the reason that Boca are out on their own at the top is that on Sunday... San Lorenzo were held nil-nil at home by Banfield, and that was a very good result for Banfield and a very good performance for Banfield away from home against a side as good as San Lorenzo are. Um, They have picked up hugely under Claudio Bibas since he was made caretaker manager, and they announced on Monday that Claudio Bibas is no longer caretaker manager. He is now the permanent manager until the end of the year. So in a way he is still caretaker manager, but they've just announced that he's going to stay on. Um, he has since come out and said, in December, that's it, um, I'm not taking charge for, for 2016. But uh, he, his side have turned things around. Well, turned things around, no, because there were two games unbeaten when Matias Almeida stood down, and they, they just, of course, beat Arsenal de Sarandi 4 1, already knowing that, Matt, that Almeida was, was on his way out. But since then, they've won two games and drawn this one away to San Lorenzo. Um, did you catch any of these, either the Boca game or the San Lorenzo game, Andres? Not, uh, not much. Of the, I, I, I watched that uh, curious play of, I don't know you, if you watch it uh, uh, with Chepes doing something strange in order for uh, for Casares to, to miss a goal. Uh, I know you touching his left. Uh, oh, he's, he touched his bollock apparently to... Yes. Um, to, to bring luck when he saw that Casares was through and uh, I, I think that Sebastián Torrico actually had more to do with it it was a late chance in which Banfield might have snatched the win but uh, the San Lorenzo goalkeeper 
who, as we mentioned last week, had missed the previous match due to the, the death of his Good that- newborn child, um, came up big for his club when, when needed and, and deflected it around the post. Could it have been a, been a pressure for them to know that Boca had already won had, uh, the, the, his, their match and, and they had to win, of course, to keep on train? A, a different kind, I suppose they've got the pressure whenever they play, but yeah, Boca generally play on, sun, on yes. Sundays. They played on Saturday this weekend because the other they, way around, yes. so, so that their uh, internationals could then leave with, with the Argentine national side for their friendly um, on the Sunday and therefore they could play on the Saturday. Um, and as a result, I suppose, yeah, I mean, San Lorenzo, if they're playing before Boca, you've got the pressure of wanting the result to try and lay down a marker for Boca, knowing that if you slip up, Boca could win the next day and, and, and be clear, and Boca would know that when they go into the game. It's a different sort of pressure. Uh, I'm sure that San Lorenzo, who, let's not forget, won the league just over a year ago, it's something that most of the players, and won the, uh, sorry, won the league just over two years ago, um, and won the Copa Libertadores this time last year, um, it's something that most of those players will, will have been familiar with, the feeling at least. So I'm, I don't know how much it feeds into it, but it would be interesting to see how different the feeling is, depending on when you yes. play in the weekend, certainly. And, and talking about the, 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 that <coughs> viral match, key match of, of, of Sunday between Boca mm. and San Lorenzo, I don't know if... Well, Boca, of course, lose, is losing Tevez and Gago, As, and the, also as, as main stars of the of the team because as well as and, and, and Fonsalida are not Fonsalida. very uh, taken into account by by Aurora. Uh, last Saturday was Lodeiro uh, was uh, taken into account in order he uh, in fact he he scored the, the equalizer. Hmm. Uh, they they were unexpected heroes because Chavez and Lodeiro weren't. Uh, <coughs> I think uh, they were more in the as, as rotating and not. Uh, Uh, main starings in the in the team, and now they 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 were the the the, the, the goal scorers. Uh, but I think I don't know. San Lorenzo I think loses uh, Emmanuel Massa and, and Ortigosa, right? Or Ortigosa yeah. hasn't been called up. Yes. Yeah, Emmanuel Massa has been called up for Argentina to replace. Cac- no, Cac- uh, uh, can't remember who. Um, and yes, and Nestor Ortigosa has been called up by Paraguay uh, for their friendly. I think they're playing Chile in on on Saturday. Um, so big players missing for well in Ortigosa's case particularly big player in every sense of the word uh, missing for both sides on Sunday but that's going to be <coughs> Boca at home to San Lorenzo there's a bit of intrigue added by the fact that San Lorenzo quite famously have got a positive head to head against Boca um, and also you know they're, they're two points behind and then we come back to the whole next week's Clásicos are going to be an extra round of matches which means that um, we know there were in beach on top uh For sure, because if San Lorenzo wins, they will be leaders. Only yeah. they are uh, leaders uh, alone, and uh, the same Boca if they win or they draw. Yes, yeah, you're quite right. Um, and San Lorenzo, the following week, have a, a much easier fixture as their extra fixture for the uh, the second Clásicos. Emmanuel Mas, by the way, would have been suspended even if he wasn't off with Argentina. Um, yes. So he, he would have been missing out anyway. Um, but we will... Uh, uh, San Lorenzo, Boca... Is, is the big match of the weekend. We should probably talk about it, but we shall do so after a short musical break. So don't go away.
back and first on the agenda we've still got a couple more uh, items those are going to be San Lorenzo against Boca and Affa against Tinelli I suppose is, is the other way to put it but um, well, let's begin with uh, sorry Boca against San Lorenzo rather than San Lorenzo against Boca because the match will be played in La Bombonera on Sunday at quarter past six I think it is um, Argentine time first against second Andres, how do you think it's going to go? With the, this uh, s- s- kind of agreement uh, between uh, Risegura, Tinelli... We'll talk about uh, that afterwards, but I mean the match on Sunday. Ah, uh, you mean Boca San Lorenzo? Well, it will be uh, like... Even... Uh, even though Boca won a tough match with was Gimnasia, who appeared as a big rival, not for the for the uh, championship itself, but uh, uh, they, they they have been strong uh, in the previous matches and playing in La Plata at, at El Bosque, uh, and they won it. Uh, of course, you you said it was deserved, but they win, won it in the last minute of play. Uh, and that may give give them a, a, some sort of 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 uh, air uh, or or to push uh, uh, against San Lorenzo. So I see it, uh, Boca as the favorites for, for that match, uh, even with San Lorenzo being, I think, the only team that have a positive difference. Not not the only team, but they're the only team One to have played the, Boca yeah. a significant number of times. I think the only other sides to have a positive record. Actually, we can we can look them up uh, because Promiedos has them all. Um, the only other sides to have yeah. a positive record against Boca sides who've only played Boca like three or four times or, or fewer. Um, I will read you out the full list yes. now. San Lorenzo in the professional era. This is because annoyingly you can't really find reliable stats for amateur era. Um, Argentine football but um, San Lorenzo in the professional era have played Boca in the league 183 times San Lorenzo have won uh, have won 62 sorry Boca have won 62 San Lorenzo have won 72 uh, and there have been 49 draws the only other sides to have positive records against Boca in the league in the professional era so that's since 1930 since the start of 1931 are Gimnasia de Mendoza who have played them eight times, and Gimnasia have won three, Boca have won two, and there have been three draws. San Martín de Mendoza, who've played them four times and got two wins and two draws, so never lost to Boca Juniors in the league. So that's well done them. Aldo Civi, funnily enough, uh, who have two wins and one Boca win out of three matches. Uh, Independiente Rivadavia, who are currently in the second division and have also never lost to Boca. They've got a win and a draw against them. Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, who have also got one win and one draw against them. Um, And there are a few sides who've got uh, dead level. So almost every team from Mendoza have a positive... Yeah, Boca don't like uh, playing teams against Mendoza, except for Godoy Cruz, who uh, have... um, have won three and lost seven against Boca and have drawn six with them. Um, but essentially, everybody who's played Boca, of the teams who've played Boca more than 
uh, whose matches against Boca are in double figures, so 10 or more matches against Boca, the only other side not to have a negative record against them are Atletico Tucumán, who've won five and lost five and have one draw from 11 matches. Everybody else who's played Boca 10 or more times in the league in the professional era, um, Boca have beaten them more than they've beaten Boca. Uh, so that's something that may or may not come into it. You never know. The psychology sometimes means that uh, maybe San Lorenzo's players will yeah, be a little they, less they, cowed. You, you think about the... The, the matches you haven't won against that team and yeah uh, yes uh, that more recently I, th- I think in the last 10 it's something like four wins for Boca three wins for San Lorenzo and three draws something like that well but uh, Boca won't have Tevez and Gago at the no. starting lineup uh, uh, use uh, as they are use, usually usually uh, being part of the team but there will be Caleri there because mm. he has been have been sent off against Gimnasia for elbowing, I think Coronel was. I think it was Pasotini. Or, well, uh, it was a defender for sure. But. Uh, oh, no, you're right, yeah, it might have been. Hang on a second. Maxi Coronel was sent off. Yes, sorry, yeah, you're right, it was Coronel. Sorry, I remember that Coronel had been sent off, and that's why I thought it was Basotini, but Coronel was sent off uh, 15 minutes or so after Basotini. And Arrobrena used that famous article, 225, mm. the, the only article we know about the yeah. rules, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, for Caleri to be there uh, and play against Lorenzo, and of course he will miss River much. Unless a Boca player gets injured on international duty, in which case they'll be allowed to delay Caleri's oh, suspension yeah, yeah. until said player comes back. But uh, I'm sure that won't Anyway, I, I see Boca as slightly favourites for that match. OK. We will uh, go into my prediction, of course, when, when Mystic Sam pops up a little later. But the other thing that we've been asked by a few people to, uh, to mention this week um, off the pitch is the scandal, or the argument, or the something or other anyway, AFA, um, which is a, uh, something that's been so sort of blown up and, and spectacular in many ways that it would almost be able to, to, um, to be something that Marcelo Tinelli could make a television show out of. Um, and fittingly enough, Marcelo Tinelli's television show actually comes into this week's discussion. Marcelo Tinelli, um, uh, regular listeners and long-term listeners will have heard me before compare him to an Argentine Simon Cowell, but with a footballing interest as well. He is the vice president, just to recap, and for those who are new to the show, vice president of San Lorenzo, the real kind of power behind the throne at San Lorenzo is recognised by everybody, the main money man, um, one of the richest people in Argentina, major TV um, producer and, and uh, presenter and, and, and um, mogul in, in many ways as well. Owner of, a, of the a, a Productora, I know how you... Yeah, the, the production company. Yes, uh, uh, they are still sore. Um, owner, owner in company with uh, someone who is near to the government, like Cristobal López, uh-huh. and that is the or- the origin for that protest that he had uh, to suffer in his program, in his TV show. Yes, he has a TV show which is sort of the Argentine version of, of Dancing with the Stars or uh, Strictly Come Dancing. Um, it, it's there's rather less dancing than there is stripping on this particular version, but that's you know adapting for the market, I suppose. Um, Andres, tell us what happened. We've well, already kind of started doing so, so so give us the rest of the, the story. Well, uh, there, there have been already some some problems, some like fighting, not not uh, punching, but fighting uh, between 
Luis Segura and Marcelo Tinelli because of course Luis Segura also ha wants to be to con to continue being the president uh, and Tin Marcelo Tinelli is like the it's yeah. a heavy sorry yeah one thing I forgot oh. to mention when yes. summarizing who Marcelo Tinelli was is that I forgot to say that he's also the front runner for the next uh, AFA yes. president it's a heavy opponent opponent for 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 Luis Segura to take his who also wants to be to be present and uh, there was such a, kind of a, some kind of agreement uh, uh, that made the, the the elections to be uh, postponed from October to March and uh, for to allow Tinelli to be to be uh, have the permission to, to be a candidate because he was he had three years uh, uh, in charge in as vice president and they, he needed four. Well, uh, in March of 2016, he will be uh, allowed because of the uh, because of how the four years are calculated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, as in the other hand, in the other the, as part of the agreement, Luis Segura had to put in functions in charge again. Uh, Roberto Fernandez, I think he is the president of the Consejo Federal. Is the like will be like the AFAF, but for the provinces. Yeah, and. Do you know anything about the Consejo Federal? Because I'm rather confused about what it it's, is. Obviously, I never have to write about the lower leagues. It's like the the would be similar to the AFA, or well, it's like a, an organization, organization, or an association that uh, it's a group of the teams of the of the interior. Of so the it's kind provinces. of a, it's sort of how the AFA deals with the lower leagues. Yes, could be like the that. Very lower leagues, below yes. the kind of below the second division as uh, well. And uh, there was uh, the president uh, the, of that uh, organization, to put it in, to mention it, uh, that uh, uh, was uh, in, uh, that fa favored Tinelli. He was in favor of Tinelli mm -hmm. in this fight or this uh, uh, challenge between Luis Segura and Tinelli. And so that, that's why Luis Segura fired him. And as part of the agreement, he had to to this president who he was in favor of Tinelli to put it put it back. This agreement which stated yes. that the uh, presidential election at the AFA was going to be in March and then Tinelli yes. was going to stand and yes. be a third vice president of AFA until then and all the rest yes. of it. The president of the Consejo Federal was fired by Segura and uh, as part of the agreement he Tinelli said well okay I uh, uh, let's move the elections up to March but you can you put Fernandez, who was the president of the Consejo Federal, again, okay. in the, as, as president. Well, he, uh, Luis Segura didn't, uh, uh, didn't do this. Mm -hmm. uh, he put another man in front of the Consejo Federal. This is what Tinelli uh, made, made Tinelli, or well, the agreement to be, to be down, because uh, uh, Tinelli, with this man, had some votes for sure, and without this man, he, well, he has no uh, this this strength uh, no more. He has no strength. Right. And well. And uh, so, what happened on the show the other night? The other night, uh, a man uh, who was a worker of La Salamandra, a dulce de leche company owned by Cristobal Lopez, who is socio of Tinelli, uh, appeared in, in on air in the TV show, showing a, a, a T-shirt or a shirt that said uh, 40 fired workers uh, are now are in the street and uh, Cristobal Lopez is, has to blame, something like that, hmm. who is, uh, of course, associated with Tinelli. 
uh, and a business partner. Yes. Yeah. He, Tinelli was shocked with this situation, and he uh, even the media said he he was considering the possibility to uh, have his postulation. He made a comment. Yes. This happened on Monday night, right? Or yes. On tu Tuesday on, on he Sunday had to night or Monday night. Monday night. Monday on Tuesday night. he had to to uh, go to a to a meeting with Luis Segura. Had to assist to a meeting and he didn't go. Yeah, because and he, all he of made a comment on Tuesday morning saying that he thought that the people who'd invaded his show were Barra Bravas, um, fr who who were trying to put him off running for the presidency. And it wasn't really clear from the way he said it whether he meant Barra Bravas. Because obviously that would then imply that somebody from the AFA has got hold of a couple of Badra Bravas and told them to go and mess it up. Yes, or whether he was just sort of insulting them by calling them Badra Bravas when in fact he knew that they weren't Badra Bravas. Yes, uh, he, 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 he thought it was something fixed for mm. him to, of course, to, to disturb him. Uh, and and, and he's, uh, he's since said, I spoke to Segura and, and uh, it's got yes. nothing to do with that. You know, I made it clear that I, I didn't mean Yes, but, but this... Uh, uh, Prevented him from going to that meeting, and, and so he wasn't there. Uh, as, while Luis Segura was and 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 uh, handed uh, some kind of project, a folder with a project uh, like Tinelli did with uh, something to, to his project for the future association or AFA. Yeah. Uh, and well, it's this is. Like some well, more condiments, even to the to this big salad, which is the 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 the, the elections, the meetings, the, the the this kind of agreement that, of course, was elections agreement only. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we will see what comes of this. For the moment, it looks like the AFA elections are back on in October, right? Uh, well, it's, this is not sure, of course. Uh, because it's all being reported pretty much as we record and uh, it can change from one minute to the next with the AFA. Um, but there's going to be... There's, there has to be a vote in October which will decide whether Tinelli can stand for president if the elections are held in October. Yes. So that's going to be first they supposedly have to two weeks before the elections would then be held... And if they decide no, then it will be held in March or something like but, this. Yes, but before they have to decide whether the elections finally are taken into in October or March. Mm. And if they are taken in October, they have take place in October, if Tinelli can participate of them. Yes, absolutely. So it is yes, hilarious. And, and uh, in the middle, uh, if, if the elections uh, are in March, uh, uh, AFA will have time, or Luis Segura will have time, I think, I know it's uh, exactly Luis Segura, but there will be more uh, candidates, not only Luis Segura and Tinelli, but uh, it was mentioned that, it was said that also Victor Blanco... The racing president. Uh, yes, and Alejandro Marón, the former Lanús president, uh, uh, will uh, be able to be candidates, and they want to be. Mm. Indeed. So, yeah, it's, it's by no means um, nailed on that Tinelli is going to be the new president of AFA. He, All the he power he had runner. now is like some which come there, some dirt because of this agreement that has been cancelled and, and, and well from one day to another and, and well that but that agreement also has been settled from one day to another. It's like was like well okay uh, very very quickly signed. 
uh, agreement. So we, uh, the agreement you 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 sign from one day to another, you can only you can of course easily cancel it. Yeah, precisely. So none of them really mean anything, um, and all of that preamble really is, is, is what what we've just said pretty much. Um, answers Toby Millard's question who, who he wrote an email to me um, earlier this afternoon saying I wonder whether you could please explain why the AFA has been in such a state of disarray over the last couple of days does it come down to a power struggle between Luis Segura and, Martin, and Marcelo Tinelli so I think we've answered that one ultimately it's, it's yes but it's a little more complicated than that if so who is likely to win Toby thinks we really don't know at this stage and there is something more uh, I think I mentioned you off air which was which is Daniel Scioli wanting to for the way oh yes we can't possibly uh, not mention that you're quite right yeah the way uh, supporters to go back to the stadiums at least in one or two matches Daniel Scioli being the candidate of uh, candidate of to be the president of Argentina of Argentina yes, of national the president and the the current uh, governor of the province of the province of Buenos Aires also yes and he decided it was announced last week last week what was it over the weekend? Yes, that weekend. That one match from round 25 onwards, this weekend we have round 23, round 24 is at the end of next week, and is the round which is going to be full of Clásicos, so they very carefully sidestep that one. From round 25 onwards, um, there's going to be one match per weekend in, this, in the province of Buenos Aires, um, in which away fans will be allowed back in. The province of Buenos Aires, for those who aren't familiar with Argentina, doesn't include the city of Buenos Aires, so that would not include clubs like River, Boca, San Lorenzo, Argentinos Juniors, um, Huracan, these are all uh, some examples of Vélez, yeah, these are the main club, the sort of biggest clubs in Capital, but it would include clubs in Greater Buenos Aires outside the city limits. So Racing and Independiente, both of them could potentially have, have away fans allowed back in. Uh, Lanús, Banfield, the clubs in La Plata, Estudiantes in Limnasia, Olimpo down in Bahia Blanca and so on. The, the following day it came out that the actual plan was going to be to allow one match in each province each weekend to have away fans. So one match in Santa Fe so that would be one out of Newell's, Rosario Central, Atletico de Rafaela, Colón, Unión. Uh, one match in, in Cordoba, which, well, I guess in the Primera, that would just be Belgrano, wouldn't it? Um, one match in, in uh, the province, one match in the city of Buenos Aires, so River or Boca or Nueva Chicago or Vélez or Argentinos or Huracán and so on, um, and, and so on and so forth. Um, Obviously, some of this is, is to, I guess, to do with uh, the logistics of trying to keep travelling fans apart from each other as much as possible. Um, and, I, and I'm stuck between uh, two ways of thinking here. On the one hand, it's still going to be interesting to see whether it really happens, uh, because it's still a couple of weeks away and a lot can change in that time in Argentina. It's a risk that Scioli has decided to take. Um, it's a calculated gamble, perhaps, because he knows... That, that that if it, it comes off, yes. then he's going to get the credit for it and, and it will potentially look very good for him ahead of the presidential elections. At the same time, if there's a fight in, on, on one of the motorways or something between two groups of travelling fans... Uh, he will be and to on blame the first week back in, he's, and he's taking yes. a certain amount of political risk Basically there. Fire, yes. So ultimately, I'm kind of somewhere between thinking that he's an opportunist for doing it, because Macri... And, 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 and you know the other presidential candidates 
can't do this because they're not part of the current government and therefore they, they're not in the position to try and open up um, the stadiums for away fans. Um, so on the one hand, Sione looks like he's being an opportunist, but on the other, it's as, as, as I say, he's, he's taking a risk, he's taking a gamble perhaps, um, and ultimately, away fans back in Argentine stadia is, can only be a good thing. Yes. on the face of it because we, we've complained about the away fan ban in the past and, and we've mentioned that uh, a lot of the trouble in Argentine Stadia doesn't actually come from home fans and away fans fighting each other yes. it comes from home fans we, we fighting home fans we have been saying a lot of times here and the last episode was one of, of the times in which uh, the home and away supporters are, are, are precisely away supporters allowed to come to the stadiums aren't part of the problem of the violence but in the other hand you have to answer or to uh, wonder uh, has something changed or improved in order to uh, the, the way supporters to get allowed to, to be allowed because if you sit in, in a way uh, you have to mark that the, the, the violence is not uh, uh, such big in order to allow this to happen uh, but well uh, I understand that it's, it's, it's uh, hard to to, to, to explain uh, because uh, um, if, if away supporters uh, only away supporters don't have the uh, aren't to blame or, or doesn't have to do all to do with the with the problem of the violence that all, all of Every weekend, almost every weekend, seen uh, in Argentina. Well, uh, what what can we do, or what can we say? Uh, it's really, really hard to, to understand. Yes, um, we will now move on to listeners' questions um, in a, in a more rapid fire uh, method than just reading Toby's question out after we've already answered it. So here we go on Twitter. Uh, we have had a complaint. It came in after last week's episode. Uh, apparently an Everton fan gave us a listen to hear what we thought of Ramiro Funes Mori and had to switch off when we said that Everton would be mid to lower end of the table. I can't remember saying they'd be in the lower end of the table. I think mid-table um, was, was what I said. But uh, he calls us clueless. But in any case, we're not an English football podcast. We're an Argentine football podcast. So we apologise for not keeping 100% up to date with the Premier League. I uh, don't really know why I'm apologising because apparently he's not going to be listening to us again so never mind uh, Will Dalton says question for the podcast which Argentine player past or present would you want as your wingman in a Buenos Aires nightclub and why I can't possibly answer my girlfriend's in the kitchen uh, washing up and, and rearranging our kitchen furniture at the moment because it needed doing um, Andres any thoughts you're single what would you be wingman the wingman would be the sort of guy who either goes around doing the chatting up for you or lets you chat up and, and assists with the uh, if you're talking to a nice young lady and, and one of her friends your wingman might take the, the friend in order for you to well right Ramiro Funes Mori could be one well certainly his bank balance isn't going yes. to have been harmed by that enormous uh, cut of money so I suppose it depends what kind of young lady and, and, and uh, as a difference with, with uh, Aguero and Tevez he plays uh, he stocks very good in very well English oh that's true yeah, that uh, well he has been ladies. living in the US, United States that's yeah. why so that tends to impress the ladies here yes. as I can um, attest yes. to a certain degree um, yeah slightly more left field choice I'm trying to think Christian Fabiani might be a good laugh you never know 
Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, or Daniel Oswaldo would be also. <laughs> Daniel Oswaldo would be insufferable. But yeah, you're yes. quite right. He probably wouldn't have too much difficulty in uh, chatting up the ladies. Daniel Edwards, English Dan, asks, I would like to know if any investigations are being made into alleged infiltrator Platense fans in Godoy Cruz. I had to ask him to explain that one. And it turns out that Platense's barra are known as the Tira Piedras, or the, the stone throwers. And therefore he was just joking. Uh, Keno Vieri says, if you were to select an Argentina starting eleven, choosing only players from the National League, who would make your eleven and why? Gosh. Oof. Well, Matthias Kranevita would certainly be in there. He's still in the National League until January, so, uh, well, until December. Actually, well, no, he's in the National League until it finishes in October, November, isn't he? But uh, for now, he'd be in there. He's in the, the current national team as well, it must be said. Um, Milton Casco, I'm guessing, who we mentioned, I think, last week, was a yes. transfer target for River Plate and looks um, increasingly likely to sign from Newell's Old Boys. Any others? Goalkeeper? Best goalkeeper in the league? There are a few to choose from. I like, yes. I like Monetti at Lanús. I like, obviously, we both like Barrobero at River Plate. But right, right, right now, there is. I think there is no any goalkeeper that you say, "Oh, this is." Uh, There's no one who's, who's playing on a sort of transcendental level. Yes. Like, I mean, Monetti last year was was absolutely brilliant for Gimnasia. He's certainly, I think, Lanús would have conceded a fair few more without him in goal. But he's not playing on quite the same level. Could be Torrico also, mm. perhaps uh, in a even even level, but not uh, so superb. Level, I think. Uh, so we will we have problems with the with the goalkeeper. Central defence, two central defenders. Well, uh, I think Luci- Luciano Lolo. Yes. He's still with Racing, isn't he? At the moment, he's not been sold yet. Not yet. Not um, yet. And I'm going to go with Maidana, actually. Yes. Who's not yet left River Plate? All of these are players who, um, <laughs> well, not with the exception of the goalkeepers, uh, are players who are being linked with with moves abroad. Probably not coincidentally, really. Um, <clears throat> I think that they would complement each other quite well. Uh, Maidana was the real kind of brains yes. of River's centre back partnership, along with Ramiro Funes Mori, who was doing the legwork of it. Along, along with Kranemeter, I should put, I will surprise perhaps with this, uh, but Pablo Perez. Yes, I was about to say Pablo Perez, you're quite right. Um, Boca midfielder. And again, I think that those two would, would provide a lot of, uh, a decent range of passing options in midfield and, and complement quite well. Right back? Do we have a right back? We've got Casco at left back. Well, you should put uh, Manuel Mas in, instead of Casco. Yes, okay, sure. Yes, again, yeah, he's, uh, he's in the actual uh, Argentina well, squad, and, at least, not the 11. Uh, uh, up to the Copa Libertadores, I, I would have included uh, Gabriel Mercado as a number, as a center back and number four. Okay. Uh, now, well, he of course lowered a bit his level as along with River. Elsewhere uh, in midfield, in attack, I suppose you've got to have Carlos Tevez for fairly obvious reasons. Um, other positions, we need a few non-River. Marco Ruben with Tevez. Oh, Ruben's a good call. Yeah, top scorer in the league. Yes. At the moment, I believe still. Yes. Um, With Cabenay being second because of the of his five yeah. goals against uh, Atletico Rafael. Four, sorry. four and one assist in a five-one win. Um, so that's the the strike partnership sorted out. Tevez uh, playing possibly just behind Cabenay yes. and Ruben. I think probably makes sense. So we need one more midfielder in the right, perhaps, or in the left. Yeah, a, a carrilero of some sort. Um, Buffarini could be. Mm, Buffarini could be a decent show. He's got legs. 
gets up and down the pitch well. Uh, why, uh, if we have to provide detailed answers for all of those, then we're going to be here for a while. But essentially, they're all very good. And, and I think we're, we're have been, I think ha- they cases. have been constant, constant or uh, continuous in their way, their good performance. Yeah, yeah, and, and a number of them have been fairly consistent over more than just this season as well. Um, next question is Roberto Rojas, who says, who is more likely to get called up for Argentina in the future, Icardi, Bieto or Dybala? I'm g- I think all of them are going to have a chance at some point. I think that the most likely to get called up in the before too long is probably Vieto. I mean, yes. I don't really know what I'm basing that on, but that's the sort of sense that I'm getting and, and the form he's in. Of course, that will depend on on, on Martino thinking in in the, in the way the positions he wants to cover because. Yeah, uh, and also depends on how much Martino is thinking the same way that I'm thinking to an extent. <laughs> yes, because Icardi is more a, a nine classical, perhaps, mm. to put it in a position, and Vieto and Dival are more uh, like tables, for example. Uh, yes, yeah, they're a bit more movement, and yes. um, yeah, you're quite right. But I, I, I'm going to take a gamble and, and guess Vieto, but we shall see. Uh, Dan says, is it true that Gustavo Bou was not signed in the transfer window because Barcelona are lining up a record bid in January? I doubt that that's true, but we, you never know, I suppose. Uh, Sasha is back and says, will there be a load of River fans following Everton now that Ramiro Funes Mori has signed? I've put that one out on Twitter to find out, to get a, try and get a representative sample, and it got a very mixed response. Some people will be, some people will be following Manuel Lancini at uh, West Ham, and some people just aren't that bothered. What well, and he started well at uh, West Ham. Yeah, he scored a goal at the weekend. Goal. Uh, Set up another one as well. With, well, not didn't get the exact assist. I will be curi- was, uh, curious to, to watch to watch Ramiro Funes Mori to, to to see how how he goes uh, there at, at, at Everton. But uh, I don't think I will be ab- available to watch it. Uh, I will have to be lucky to have that match precisely precisely Everton match in. Yes, it's unlikely to be on ESPN, um, yes. and therefore. A lot of River fans are either going to be watching them on, if they are watching them, are going to be doing so on, on uh, streams, um, or if they've got direct TV, they'll be able to watch it, essentially. But uh, the, the, the consensus from the sort of five or six replies that I got was that there are going to be some people who are following him. Um, one or two people said that they, they follow them after their first club. There was one guy who, who seems to be an Arsenal fan um, who said that uh, Everton were now his second English club. Uh, Scott Monroe says how do you guys feel Ezequiel Ponce will do at Roma at the moment it looks like he's back up to Edin Dzeko I think Ponce is going to do pretty well in Italy I must say he's still young relatively inexperienced yes. but has potential mm. definitely and and he's not going to have the pressure of being the main man which, which, which might have been a slightly too big a step up for him in slightly too short a space of time but I think he's, he's, he's going to do fine at Roma Unspectacular, but um, he, he should bed in nicely, uh, and and I think he's got a, a good career ahead of him. To be honest, um, we have a few answers in our replies I, to the question. How would be that, uh, for example, Ponce <coughs> arriving to Rome and chatting with with Sheko? In which language does he know English? Uh, because he won't, will have to adapt to a new city. He's twenty nine, twenty eight. Ponce. Yes, twenty seven. No, Ponce is really young. Twenty seven. Uh, 17, I think, 18. Yeah, yeah, 18. Sorry, yeah. Uh, I was. I, I gave, gave him 10 more years. Oh, sorry, you got the. Yeah, numbers are very difficult things in, in foreign <laughs> languages. Uh, 
well, we will see that apart from the football itself. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, 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 there are all these kind of things, which is one reason I think Ramiro Funemori has the potential to do better than, than a lot yes. of his detractors are expecting in England because he already speaks good English. I think that's going to help his, um, his adaptation process and, and that sometimes can make as much difference and, or more difference to how well a player does in a new league yes. um, as their actual talent. Um, we have had others. Phil says I would be interested, Phil Carney, I'll be interested in hearing about Lanus President Alejandro Maron's involvement in the issue of the AFA elections. I have seen his name mentioned a few times, but I'm not entirely sure what the deal is. Essentially, he's planning on standing, as Andres mentioned earlier. Yes, uh, he said he Maron said it is too early to 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 consider himself as a candidate, which means he he's not saying no. He's saying he's too early and not now. So if he the elections are are kept in March mm. uh, because they were moved from October to March, and now we know don't know if they were there. They will be back to put back in October. Uh, I think in March he could be a, a candidate and a serious candidate. Yeah, indeed. Um, is he still? Is he the current Lanús president? Or is he? Well, I I don't think so. I think he was. Uh, now he's not anymore. He's a, he has a charge in, uh, in AFA, at AFA, I think. I, th- uh, I have to admit, I thought that he was the current Lanus president. You mentioned, you, you called him previous earlier, yes. but um, let's see whether we've got anything on Google News to tell us. I've decided to click on a rather slow moving link. It says here yes, that he's, he's the, the president. president. Yes, I, I so thought he wasn't, but he's. I think he might have been and then stopped being for a while and now he's again. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be a, a big player in, in the race, whichever way it ends up going anyway. Um, with that, listeners' questions are over, and the next music that you hear, right now in fact, is Mystic Sam's theme music, and you know what that means. Don't go away. Okay then, here we go. Boca v San Lorenzo is not the only match taking place this weekend. There are also all of these ones. Banfield against Argentinos Juniors, I think is going to be a Banfield win. Tigre against Godoy Cruz is a draw, I reckon. Um, Rosario Central against Arsenal de Sarandí, I think is definitely a Rosario Central win. There are uh, 23 three places between those clubs in the tables I think Central a third and Arsenal a third bottom Tempele against Belgrano is a draw Defensa y Justicia at home to Newell's Old Boys I think is a Defensa y Justicia victory Huracan against Independiente is a draw but it's going to be quite tight and could go either way Crucero del Norte against Lanús is a Lanús win because as we mentioned earlier Crucero seemed to gone away from just not being very good at home to being full-blown crisis uh, Colón de Santa Fe against Sarmiento I think is going to be a Colón victory Boca against San Lorenzo statistic that I forgot to mention when we were previewing it earlier Boca Juniors have won seven of their last eight league matches and San Lorenzo are 12 without defeat I think that San Lorenzo are going to win that match just 
I, th I think Boca are going to miss their missing men more than San Lorenzo miss theirs somehow. Um, Racing ought to beat Gimnasia La Plata in Avellaneda. Olimpo against Unión de Santa Fe, I think, is a draw. Uh, Nueva Chicago at home to River Plate, I think, is going to be a River victory, although don't bet too heavily on it because, of course, the last three River matches should also have been River wins, really. San Martín against Vélez Sarsfield is a San Martín win. Atlético de Rafaela against Quilmes, I'm going to very tentatively call a draw. And Estudiantes de la Plata against Aldo Civi is an Estudiantes win. That is your lot for this weekend. Do you have any thoughts on those, Andres? I pretty agree. Uh, only uh, disagree with Boca San Lorenzo, but uh, of course, uh, I, I desire San Lorenzo to win, but I think Boca will. Mm -hmm. It's going to... Um, all of these this weekend's matches, in fact, are going to be coloured by the fact that nobody's going to want to try. Nobody's going to want to get a yellow or red card if they can avoid it, because of course that would mean missing the Clásicos the following weekend. Um, we will be previewing that whole round of Clásicos on Hand of Pod 198, which is next week. Um, but for now, I think we're done for this week. So thank you very much for listening, listeners. Thank you very much to our sponsors at the Argentina Independent, a fine source in English of news current affairs and lots of other things from Argentina and across Latin America which you can read free of charge on argentinaindependent.com they do wonderful work so please support them um, and on that note it is thank you and goodbye from Andres thank you, goodbye and thank you and goodbye from me goodbye <laughs>